Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. Awesome. Well, welcome to Calvary HSM at the 5. How are you guys doing? Great, great. Uh, if you are here for the first time, welcome. You're looking for a church home. You found a great place to hang out and be uh, uh, welcome to be here. If you're looking for a space to meet people and grow in relationship with Jesus, this is it. Uh, but if you're visiting and you're going to go back to your, your uh, main church, send our greetings back to that family and your pastor as well. We love you guys so much. Today we are going to be kicking off a sermon series called Teen Spirit, and we're talking about our gifts of the Holy Spirit. For some of us, after hearing that, you're already like, oh my gosh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, like prophecy and tongues and laying on of hands, yes, all the things. We're talking about all those things and even more in this three-week series. Our hope and our plan is to equip you guys for what God has for you in your time here on earth. While you're here for four years in high school ministry, it's a short mission field for you to prepare for the rest of your life. We want to make sure you guys are equipped for that as well. So what we're going to do right now is going to pray, then we'll jump into our text. Is that okay? Cool. Lord, uh, thank you for this evening, and thank you that you give us your gifts, your people, because you love us. You want us to use them to enjoy, one, your goodness and your grace, but also to be given to, to other people, Lord, to bless other people and to put your glory on display. So we thank you. You're going to open hearts to understand who we are in you, what you've given us, Lord God, and what we're supposed to do with these gifts. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Um, last week, but one, so about two weeks ago, we talked about the Holy Spirit. And that was kind of like a bookend, but also a beginning aspect of this. I said it's a great for you to go back, check it out, watch it on YouTube, listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you guys listen to all that jazz. But it's a great way for you guys to listen to what the Holy Spirit is in our life, who he is, what he does, and how he empowers us for the work of ministry. And now we're going to talk about his gifts and how, how he's given them to us as people to do the work that he's given us while we're here on the earth. Because there will be, come a time when those who have trusted in Jesus believe that to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. That means once we're gone from this earth, whether God comes back and takes us back or you end up passing away in this time, you'll be present with the creator of the universe. The beauty of that is because you're a believer, you have the promise of eternity with God, which is a blessing, right? And so we want to give you guys what it means to be a people who have the spiritual gifts for while you're here on the earth. There's this verse that's been rolling around in my heart for the past two months. You guys will probably recognize it from Proverbs 4-7. We can read it together. One, two, three, it says... The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, though it costs all you have, get understanding. One more time. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, though it costs all you have, get understanding. Our hope is that you have an understanding of who God is in your life, how he gives you identity, and what he's called you to do in your life while you're here. And as we look, up, look through the scriptures about these ideas and these concepts and also the truths of spiritual gifts, we want you guys to have an understanding why. There may come a time when someone tries to deceive you or bring some confusion or not use their gift in a place of love. And what we don't want you to do is throw out the baby with the bathwater. That's a very old term, but basically what it means is you don't want to throw out the whole idea of gifts because someone misused it, right? 
The thing is that these things are good for us as believers, and we want to have an understanding of them so we can, one, the, the, the Bible talks about how the word is good for encouraging, for teaching, for rebuking. I want you guys to use that word as that, as a tool, as a sieve to walk through life as believers. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. That this body has many members. You guys have hands and feet and noses and eyes. And as the same way your body has different parts that have particular functions, so do us as the body of Christ. We're all different and all been given different gifts for particular purposes. It says this in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 21, that the eye cannot say to the hand. First of all, if your eye starts talking, you need to see a doctor, but whatever. That I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 goes on to say, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Meaning, there's different parts of your body that have different functions, and you can't say, I don't need that part of the body. I don't want to have prophecy. I don't want to have tongues. I don't want to have laying on of hands. I don't want to have the gift of mercy. I don't want to have the gift of, of giving. I don't want that stuff. Why? Because someone has abused it. No. We all need every part of who we are so we can be who God has called us to be. The questions we're going to be answering tonight are three. One, what is a spiritual gift? Two, what kinds of spiritual gifts are there? And three, how can I discover my spiritual gift? One, what is a spiritual gift? Two, what kinds of spiritual gifts are there? And three, can I, how can I discover my spiritual gift? So the question is again, what is a spiritual gift? Now, I wrote this little thing up here. It's not too crazy, but it says this. That a, a spiritual gift is a special or unique ability given by God to every believer for the purpose of edifying the body of Christ and glorifying God. That means that gift that you've been given is for you to edify the body, meaning help one another, encourage one another, build one another up. And then also for the glory of God. That may mean in a way of uh, being a witness for God in the world. Meaning at your school, at your, some of you guys may be going to college now, in your college, a new space, right? Uh, it's not like you go to a new space and you have all, all of a sudden an amenity and you become a whole other person. No, like whatever you have been given as a gift, is called, you're called to use in that space as well. So that's what a spiritual gift is. And there's actually three lists of these spiritual gifts we'll find in Scripture. If you want to take pictures, you can do that as well. But 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, 28 through 30, Romans 12, 6 through 8, and then Ephesians 4, 11 are all places in Scripture where we have examples of these spiritual gifts. And they categorize them into two. These two types of gifts, speaking gifts and serving gifts. Speaking gifts are ones that we hear all the time, like teaching, right, or prophecy or evangelism those are speaking gifts then there are gifts like serving gifts like hospitality some of you guys are so nice you're the sweetest people you'll have people over every night and it's like praise god i like to eat the food from your fridge you're awesome like you're just hospitable right other people have again speaking gifts where it's more about teaching or prophecy stuff like that right and so what we don't want to do is say one gift is bigger than the other but there are two types of speaking gifts. There are two types of gifts, speaking gifts and serving gifts. Now, let's look at this list of gifts that I have up on the screen. And we'll run through a few of them. There's some that I actually did not put on the screen, like hospitality. But there are many more that you'll find in those texts that I gave you guys. One, 
And I'm going to run through them really quickly so you have an understanding of what these are. One, at the top we have the gift of prophecy, meaning you speak what God has given you to speak to other people. This is not just, I think, I feel, I want to say this to you now because you have this on your face and I feel I should say it. Nothing like that. This is like, I've heard from God. I have an unction in my spirit that God has given me to give you a message from the Lord. So a prophet speaks for God on behalf of God to people. Constantly in scripture, you'll see people like, uh, like Micah, like Malachi, would speak to people and speak to nation. They will comment on the culture of the day, calling people to repentance. That's what they'll be doing. Uh, and so they'll do that in boldness and in grace. And then you have people like, uh, you have another gift here called the gift of helps. Some of you guys in this room, your leaders have the gift of helps. I mentioned this morning, and I'll mention again, people like Chris, who does sound. His is a gift of helps. He just loves to help. And it's a blessing for him to always give his, give his time to other people. He's been volunteering with us since December. I believe December last year, right? Just giving of his time to just volunteer and to serve and give all of who he is because he has a gift of helps. Do you know friends who are like that? They just love to assist and be a part of that. That's a gift of helps. Then there's a gift of administration. If you sign up for summer camp, can, can we hear some noise for summer camp? If you sign up for summer camp, there's a lady called Courtney Lopez. I'll tell you right now, there's no gift that I've seen like more like inclined or built or saturated or whatever than the one Courtney has of administration. She knows how to get stuff done. Like, she's just amazing, right? And so you guys, like, if you've signed up for anything, I kid you not, she'll know who you are, where you're from, who your sister was, when you graduated, when you're going to graduate. Like, she just has this administration gift where she can put stuff in order. And you have friends like that who can put stuff in order, and they have the gift of administration. The next one we have is the gift of teaching, which is what I'm doing right now. Uh, you don't have to be a pastor to teach. You can be teaching in a small group. Many of your small group leaders have that gift to teach and to encourage. There are people who are able to make things clear that are, not, uh, that are unclear in Scripture or with other things in life, right? Then you have a gift of faith. These are people who are not, I don't say they're just positive, but they have a confident hope. Like they always have a confident hope in what God has for you. They're never down. They may be confused or whatever, but they say, you know what, God's going to make it happen. That God is good, and they have a gift of faith. Then you have people who have a gift of healing, meaning for some reason God has chosen to use these people specifically to heal people more than others. Now, again, the point is God does the healing. Amen? Amen. It's God who does the healing, but he will heal through their hand. And that's a blessing, right? Then we have people who have distinguishing or discerning of spirits. I had a young man in my small group back in 2011, and he had the gift of discerning of spirits, meaning he could see and, and have an understanding if someone has a particular kind of oppression uh, or even um, a possession of a spirit, meaning he could look at something and then he'd, he wouldn't see like, like a word, but he would see a shadow. Or he would see like a, a light. He'd be like, I've seen an angel. He'll see like that form of that, which is pretty wild, right? Some people have those gifts of discerning of spirits. Others have the gift of, of exhortation, meaning you go to this person and you feel super encouraged. They're the rah, 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 rah for every single thing. They're always in your corner. They have the gift of exhortation. Right now you're thinking about some people. Might be your mom, praise God. Uh, then we have people who, are, who have the gift of giving, meaning they're always so generous. Now, to be honest, I think I'm quite stingy. 
in comparison to people who have a gift of giving, like they always want to buy you a coffee. They'll buy you one coffee, then you get to another place. They'll be like, oh, that's great. You want that shirt? I'll buy it for you. They always want to give and bless other people. They have the gift of giving. Apostles, and I put in brackets, missionaries. Why? Because apostle, capital A, is someone who's been chosen by Jesus, right? So classic example, 12 disciples, Judas dies, then you have Paul the apostle who was chosen by Jesus. Jesus came off his throne. This is resurrected Jesus, right? Like glorified Jesus. He has no reason to come back yet. Gets off his throne, comes back, chooses Paul, uh, then Saul, makes him Paul, and then calls him to the work of the ministry. That's an apostle. But today we have the office of the apostle, lowercase a. Those are people who are present-day missionaries, they have the gift to go and start churches, build them up, make elders, all this stuff, and then plant other churches. That's what Paul was doing and all those disciples were doing, apostles in the New Testament. You have people who have the gift of leadership, which I think is clear. You have people who have the gift of tongues. Meaning, and we talked about this two weeks ago, and if not, there's a podcast that we've talked about the day of Pentecost. And this is a, a gift that God has given us to pray uh, spiritual language. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, we see that this is a language that had a intelligible language, meaning when they spoke this language, people who were there in different, different tongues, meaning different la- nations and tribes and whatever, heard their language and they were, they were praising God and giving glory to God. Later in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, we see that there are examples where there are uh, languages that are not intelligible, intelligible, meaning these are not languages that you would know, like a Spanish or a French, but this is a, a language that is between you and God. And there's parameters for what that looks like in context in Scripture. Uh, and I'll talk about that very briefly because I think it's a big one that many of us ask all the time. And so if you have the gift of tongues now, something you receive from God, which is just not, which is not a, a, a necessity for you to be a Christian or to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but it's simply an evidence, right? So it doesn't mean that you have to speak in tongues to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and uh, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? So that's what I want to <clears throat> make clear to you. Get, <clears throat> sorry, my own spit. <laughs> it's not tongues. Trust me. <clears throat> uh, but that's what it means. So baptism in the Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily relate or uh, end up in speaking in tongues. But uh, when it does, it's only an evidence of that itself, baptism, right? So that's what that is. And so some people... Uh, have the gift of tongues, which they use to pray to God, right, respond to God. The Bible talks about how our spirit inside of us, even if you didn't speak in tongues, would pray on behalf, on your behalf to God, the perfect will of God. Arguably so, if you're praying the word of God, that's why I say you have to be a people who delight in God's word, you are praying the perfect will of God, right? So uh, the difference is when you're praying in tongues, you're praying a language that the enemy does not understand, and so if I, if I was a believer and I knew I'm in a war, which Paul says that we're not shadow boxing, right? We're in a war. We're beating our body into submission. We're, we're fighting our flesh. We're trying to, to take this world for Jesus, preaching the gospel. Then I would take everything that God has given me on the table, right? So that's what happens with tongues. Some people have the ability to interpret tongues, right? Which is also amazing. I remember my old worship pastor back in 2011 at a church called South Coast. He was a missionary in YWAM in England, right? It's pretty interesting. Him and his wife. And he was in a denomination that didn't believe in this dynamic of preaching in, uh, or rather speaking in tongues. And so he went to this church and he was supposed to, to preach. And what happens is God told him, 
to preach in tongues, which he, he had the gift, right? But he was like, God, uh, what if no one gives an interpretation? And this is what I talked about in the context of love, right? If no one can understand it, it's just confusing. If I spoke to you in Luganda, you'd be like, I know that's African, but what is he saying, right? And I would not be offended if you said that. But anyway, the point is this, right? Uh, you don't understand it. And so he was like, God, these people will understand what I'm supposed to do. But in obedience, he did that. He said, God has asked me to preach this message in tongues. So for about 50 minutes, he spoke in tongues. Awkwardness. Can you imagine? Just awkwardness. And then he said, okay, God said someone will have an interpretation. And a lady stands up in the back. And you can imagine this church doesn't believe in this stuff. And they're like, <gasps> scandal. What is this? This lady stands up and she begins to interpret and literally almost word per word he was, uh, she was describing his sermon that he'd written in English, which is pretty wild, right? And so God gave an interpretation. The point is this, that if you're doing this in a sense of public space, you want there to be interpretation. Not for any other reason except that it is one that is loving to people who don't understand what's going on. Praise God. All right, cool. Mercy, the gift of mercy. These are people who cannot go by a homeless person and just do nothing, right? They always want to help and to serve. Turn around the car, mom. You have a quarter in your car. Give it to that guy. They have that heart of mercy and compassion. It's just so awesome, right? The Bible talks often about how Jesus was moved by compassion, and then he healed people. He was moved by compassion, and then he served people. He saved people. He preached to people. And then there's a gift of evangelism. These are people who love. Now, it, let me just clarify this. Every believer should have a desire to share the gospel. Okay? 100%. But people who have the gift of evangelism, like, you, you can't hold them back from preaching the gospel. Like, they'll always want to preach the gospel. You know the saying, they can sell ice to Eskimos? That's the kind of person they are. They always have to want to desire to be amongst people. My father was one of those people who had the gift of evangelism, sitting in a car from Kampala to Mbarara, which was about two or two and a half hours. He would sit with someone, get to know who they are, pray with them, right, preach the gospel to them, have them trust Jesus, the Lord and Savior, and then pray for them to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit with evidence and speaking in other tongues. That was my dad. Gift of evangelism. You would say that he's kind of like a sales car salesman, right? They could, they just Always have that desire to share the gospel, right? That's an evangelism. You have people who have the word of wisdom, meaning you sit down with them and you're just receiving word of wisdom after wisdom after wisdom. Many of your leaders walk in this, specifically people like J.D. Lasky, people like Zach Ziegler, people like Liam, people like Grace Frazier. These are just people in, your, in our context who have all these gifts. I forgot to mention a few others in that space, but here we are. Then people who have words of knowledge. There are times when I'm talking to someone and then God just drops an understanding of what's happening in the situation to someone. Where I'm like, hey, this person is beating you. Is that a thing? And you're like, yes. How do you know? I'm like, Jesus. And so that's why it works. It's just a word of knowledge, right? Where the Lord just drops stuff in there. Like I said, there's many other gifts that I didn't list on there. But again, the texts are going to be for you to look up and jump into the word. All right. Those are a few gifts that we just walked through. You guys, are you guys still tracking with me? Are we good? Whew, man, I need some water. Praise Jesus in heaven. Here we are. People ask this question. Are we allowed to use these gifts today? It's a real question, right? It's a real thing. There's two camps on this. There's people who are called uh, continuationists and people who are called cessationists, right? You'll hear these words thrown around the church all the time. Continuationists are people who believe that these gifts ended 
and they do not happen. Uh, sorry, continuations are people who, thank you so much, Drew. <laughs> continuationists are people who believe that these gifts did not stop and they continue to happen everywhere else uh, past the gifts of given to the apostles. Then there are people who are cessationists who believe these gifts actually stopped. Now, you can argue either way from scripture. I'm going to just, valid, just validate that, right? You can I argue either way from Scripture. I would be un, un, not even untrue. What's the word to say? I would be like uninformed. I would be unrealistic to deny what I've seen personally in my life or what I've seen in other, other spaces. Because the dynamic usually is this. It comes down to the question of are these things authentic? Are these things actually happening even here and now? And I'll, I'll tell you, people ask me all the time, why does this stuff happen in Africa and Asia and all these different places and not in the U.S.? I'm like, well, the Holy Spirit works different in different places. Is it better or not? No, it's just, it is what it is. Like, the, that's the way the wisdom of God has decided to work stuff out, right? Like, I've heard it said before that if I had the power of God, I would change everything. I would change everything. But if I had the wisdom of God, I will leave things exactly how they are. Because I begin to understand that God's doing his thing the way he's supposed to be doing it. So, like I said, you could argue which way for this or that. But I'll tell you personally from my experience where I've been in spaces where my father was preaching and someone is healed. Not like he laid hands on him, but he was healed. So does God heal people? Yes. Do you pray for healing when your grandma's sick? I hope you would. Right? You don't be like, oh, God, I don't know, your gifts ended. Yo, you, you pray with confidence. But you pray with the hope that God is able to do so. Your, your faith is not in the gift. Does that make sense? Like people have made prayer the actual aspect of what we focus on. Like your, your faith is in prayer. But your faith should be in the God who answers prayer, right? You should be focusing on God as a good giver. And if he doesn't give you that answer, then you say, God, in your wisdom, you said no. And that's it. And that's all right, all right? So we have these gifts that God has given us. I'm going to jump into uh, these scriptures down here in 1 Peter 4.10. It says this, um, well, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God gave these things what people have called the five-fold ministry for this purpose, to allow you to be equipped for what God has called you into. So Jesus affirms the use of our gift by giving them to us, but also sending us out. Your gift is not just for you. It's meant to be given as a gift to other people. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What does that mean? That our gifts are not just for you, but to edify other. In other. In other ways, we say here that saved people do what? Thank you. Save people, serve people. There's people who get these gifts and then they begin to do this, the weirdest things, which is why people have a lot of pause on them. Where they're like, hey, the prophet of God has arrived. And then, like, people, like, lie down and literally walk on their, like, it's, it's crazy stuff. I've seen some wild stuff where, where people have done a craziness and oppressed other Christians in the name of God. But that doesn't mean that these things are not themselves real. I say it this way. 
The Bible says that God's giftings and callings are without reproach. Best example of this, of gifts and callings, not necessarily spiritual gifts, but gifts themselves, would be Beyonce. If I said something bad about Beyonce, you guys might revolt. And I'd be like, you'll be fine. Beyonce's not God, okay? Uh, but if I took a picture at a Beyonce concert, snapshot, you'd be like, is this Hillsong or Bethel? Maverick City. Was this a concert? Why? Because she has this gift. Now, is she using this for God? No. That doesn't mean that we should throw out singing. We should throw out worship, right? Because these things have been abused. We're going to jump down to these seven principles. If you're a person who's he's into the note-taking deal, which I would encourage you to do so, always steal from your pastor, here are seven principles of spiritual gifts, things that will help you understand what they are. Seven solid principles of spiritual gifts. The first scripture will come from 1 Corinthians 12.4. Again, it says this, that there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. Where do spiritual gifts come from? From the spirit of God. You don't need to go to some man on a mountain. You don't need to go to pay for a spiritual gift. There's a person in the Bible who chased the apostles and said, give me this power that you have. He was called a sorcerer, Simon the sorcerer. He chased, chased these apostles wanting the gift that they had. And he goes, no, this is, this is not it. It comes from God. Okay, that there are different kinds of spiritual gifts that come from the Lord. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, now to each one of the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. It says, now to each one. To who? Each one, meaning you, 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 you. And you, and you, and you, and you, you get a gift, you get a gift, Oprah, the whole thing. I don't know why I keep talking about Oprah, but anyway. Like you all get a gift, right? It says this, every single Christian literally has been given a spiritual gift. Amen. Everyone has one. You all have a particular spiritual gift that God has given you. If you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he has given you not only his Holy Spirit as a deposit, a promise of him saving you and bringing you to salvation, but also a gift to do and fulfill the work he has for you specifically. 14, 12, the first Corinthians says, even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. I'm going to jump down to this other verse in Acts 1.8, which says, But then you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. The point again for there, for number three, would be this, again, that God has given us gifts to edify others and to be an act of ministry to fulfill his witness. 1 Corinthians 12.11 says, It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gifts each person should have. All right, all right. So, God alone gives these gifts, and see, he, it's he who decides what gift you should have. This is not Wendy's, all right? You don't be like, I want a four for four, and like, God, just stack it up. Or a four by four, in and out, let's go. Like, it's not like that. In and out versus Chick-fil-A, in and out's always open. Anyway, the point is this. Like, it's not something that you pick and choose, right? You can't be like, I want this because that person has it and looks better. I want to sing like Jacob, and like, it's not, it's not going to happen, all right? You got different pipes, you got, got the hair, it's not a whole thing, right? Like there's things, there's levels to this, right? So when God gives you your gift, it is specific to you, and he gives it. You don't get to choose your spiritual gift, but you can indefinitely ask for this, right? You can ask for it, because God's a good giver, he's a good father. So you don't want to pick these gifts, but you can ask for this gift, 
A good example of this is in 1 Kings 3.9. Yes, Old Testament, not even New Testament, where Solomon speaks uh, to God. And he says this, therefore, give your servant an understanding heart. He's a young man, and he's been given the kingdom of Israel to govern, to lead these people into the heart of God. He goes, this is too much for me, God. So, God, I ask that you give me wisdom. Give me an understanding so I can lead these people. And it says this, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? And God, in response, not only gave him understanding, but he said, I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you riches. And he gave him all the things he didn't even ask for. Because he asked God, who is the giver of all good things. That scripture, again, is Proverbs 4, 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it costs all you have. Get an understanding. He asked for understanding. And God gave him more and more and more. Which means if you ask, who knows? Ask in faith. But if he says no, just be okay with it because God is good. Okay? First Corinthians 12, 15 says, again, if the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less or part of the body. Some of you guys are here in this room and you're like, dude, I am just a helper. I am not a pastor. I am not an evangelist. I'm just an administrator. I just have the gift of being merciful. I just want to give. I'm nothing like the person who has the gift of healing or laying on of hands. That's not it. It's not it. Why? Because you are enough because God is enough. You are who you're supposed to be because God has given you. When he says he's given you his gift, it means literally that he emptied of himself and poured all of who he is inside of you. It's not like there's 10% of this or 5% of that. Have you seen these memes on uh, Instagram or TikTok or these reels where it's like uh, when you're making a person and you're making like, a, like maybe say, let's say Josh or James or Gene or... Georgia, whatever. Like, it's 10% narcissism, and then 50% of, like, um, I, I love uh, golden retrievers or whatever. And then, like, it's, like, it's not like that. He says, I'm giving all of who I am. There's not a percentage of God that lives inside of you. You have the fullness of the Spirit of God inside of you, and he activates that particular gift inside of you. You are enough because God himself is enough. He has poured out his Spirit upon his people to do a work. Your spiritual gift is necessary and essential to the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 6, 12, 26 says, If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. When Courtney is sick, my friend, it's rough. It's rough. If Jacob gets sick, it's rough. If Drew is out, it's rough. When someone has an issue on our team, that's just our team, right? It's difficult to do particular things. When JD is sick, it's hard to do a particular thing because everyone brings something different to our body. How much more are you to the body of Christ? How much more are you to the body of Christ? As if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Which means you can be happy when you see someone winning in one aspect of their gift, not jealous. This is what the Bible says that uh, the world will know we are Christians because we have love one for another. That love is not only a boundary, but also an, an, uh, a sign of our unity and our grace and that, that the body itself is actually active. These spiritual gifts are to be supported and to be celebrated. 
In the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 14 to 30, there were these men who were given these talents. And one of these men decided to bury this talent, to bury what was given to him. And all these other people, when the boss came back, gave these things back to the, top, back to the master, but they'd multiplied them. They'd made something of their gift. They'd made uh, something greater of their gift. If it was a gift of teaching, they went and studied. If it was a gift of mercy, they decided, man, I'm going to go serve with, 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 uh, with YWAM. Or I'm going to go serve here on, uh, uh, on Tuesdays to serve with uh, Fresh Market, right? There are people on our, on our team who have gifts of mercy. So much so, they actively prepare themselves to be a, a vessels of mercy. person like Joey D'Andrea who literally keeps stuff in his car so he can give it away to people. Who does that? Someone who has a gift of mercy, right? And so what happens is this. This person waits for the owner to come back, and when the owner comes back, he pulls the gift that he dug in the ground, and he gives it back to him. He goes, here's the gift you gave me. And the the owner, the the boss was not happy with him. Why? Because he did nothing with that gift. The point is this. We will be held accountable for how we use our gifts. You'll be held accountable for how you use your gifts, for how you use what God has given you as a way to live and love like Jesus amongst his people. The question now is, how then do I discover this gift? Aaron, what is this gift? You've listed all these things. What is my gift? I want to know today. Well, here we go. One, there's a few points for us that will help us find what our spiritual gifts are. One, you ready? Two, just kidding. One, educate yourself. It says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. He says, search it up. Look it up. Now, this is why I would encourage you guys to be a people who delight in God's word. Why? There's no other place you're going to find who you are except in God's word. Not on tarot cards, right? Not Using the Enneagram, I'm sorry, make, you can be angry at me later. God is good, right? Not going to be in, uh, what are those things in newspapers that you look at the stars or whatever? Horoscopes, you won't find it there. You're going to find it in God's word. The manufacturer gave you a manual. Most of us get something from the manufacturer and what do you do? Toss it. Then you go on YouTube, how to operate. Like, the reality is there's a manual that God has given us to operate you. So he says this. Don't be uninformed about the gifts that God has given you. We're to be a people who get to the word and figure it out from the scripture of God. Two, be a person who examines himself and ask yourself these questions, right? Here we are right now. Ask yourself these sets of questions. One, what am I naturally good at? What am I inclined to do? When you come into service, I watch kids go in and out week after week after week. 52, 54 Sundays of the year, something like that, right? And then you realize that people have different inclinations. Some people will come in and be like, what's up, bro? Dabbing everybody up. Evangelists, straight up evangelists, right? How you doing? Someone sitting alone on the couch. What's going on, man? Some people, they have, like, again, that gift of wisdom. And so they, they look around and they discern what's happening. And they see someone alone. They're like, mm, that person is being overwhelmed by all the craziness. Hey, my name is, you want to go sit over here so I can talk and get to know who you are? Everyone wants to be known, right? And so what you should do is this. What am I inclined to do? 
What am I more inclined to give myself to? Do I, am I a person who loves to go on missions? Maybe you have that gift of being a missionary, being an apostle, small a. You want to go and be that person. Other people would ask themselves this question, too. What have other people in healthy community affirmed in your life? Why? Because life change happens in relationship. I would hope that you'd be in a small group, go to summer camp, right? Be in these contexts on a summer night, stuff like that, right? It costs you nothing except your time to be present, to be known. Everyone wants to be known and to be seen so we can love on you well, to have empathy for you, so we can pray for you well. And in context of community, they'll be like, hey, I, can, I know something's wrong with you. Or I know that, that something is new and good with you. And, and they understand your highs and your lows or your buffaloes, depending on what small group you're in. Like, you're in a space where they're able to understand all of who you are. And so they'll be like, mm, I, I, I think Grace, Grace has this gift of mercy. Oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Jeez. Jeez. Austin? Austin has this gift of wisdom. Like, they just begin to pick stuff out because they see it and they affirm it in you. Right? And so you want to be in community that knows you, that loves you, that cares for you, and wants to build you up, not tear you down. Amen? Amen. Cool. What are some things that I have done that have made an impact on someone's life? When you think back, what are the moments that people have been super grateful for you for doing? For being present? For, like, literally just going over to someone's house when someone has passed away and having no words to say and just being present. And just being there. Like your presence itself being a gift. That's a gift of mercy and compassion. I, I, I've been in situations where, like, I have nothing to do, right? There's a, a gentleman I, I grew up with called Bruce Bradley, good, solid man of God uh, on the older spectrum, right? Older, I mean, he was super old, uh, meaning, like, older. Anyway, the point is, I'm going this is a really deep hole. Like, younger and older, anyway. Elderly, distinguished gentleman. Um, and the way I would l- love on him is by simply being able to come home early enough to sit down with him and watch his show with him. And then he would pause for the commercials. We'd sit there and then be in silence for like a minute. And then he would just say something random like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know you did all these different things. And then the show would come back on and he would unmute it and he'd watch. My role was just to be present. And I was, I was literally his buddy. I was his friend by being present. Like, that's a simple way to live and love like Jesus, right? So what are the things that have done an impact on someone's life that they appreciate, that they love, that they enjoy? Again, with the same couple, Bruce and Misty Bradley, I realized uh, I couldn't just leave the house early in the morning to go to work. You might be like, you have an important job to go to church. No, my first ministry is always going to be in my house, right? So here I am trying to go to work, and so I realized every morning that Misty wanted to have a moment of conversation with me. It doesn't matter what it was. It was up being 10, 15 minutes of conversation. So what did I do? I decided I'm going to spend time planning for my morning, so I had 15 or 20 minutes specifically for Misty, just to listen, to hear, to talk, and to be present. And she appreciated that so much so that we're still friends to this day. It's not just a thing where it's like, oh, this happened and it's gone. Like, it's something she appreciates. What are the things that people have appreciated that you have done in their life, too? Or next question would be, do you get a sense of fulfillment whenever you're using a particular gift? Why? Because we get joy by giving these gifts away. 
What are these things that give you great joy? Do you enjoy going to Skid Row and preaching the gospel or giving someone a donut? Like, do you enjoy those dynamics of serving with the littles in elementary? Do you have joy going to summer camp? And not just going to summer camp, but looking for people who have not met other people in the room and connecting with them. Like, what brings you great joy? Let me be a way that helps you identify your spiritual gift. What are some things, and this is the real question now, that you just don't like doing? It's like, I'm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. kids, mm -mm, mm -mm. no, it's not my jam. Interestingly enough, that was me. It's like, here we are. No, real, real stuff. Like, that was literally me. I had no patience for children. 2010, I came back to the States uh, to do an internship at a church in, in Ventura called South Coast Fellowship. We did this thing called City Kids for Sunday School on the Streets. I had no patience whatsoever for children. I was made a site leader, meaning it was in, I was in charge of building the team, planning the lessons, and going out every week to go preach the gospel to children, and then the next day or two days later, go visit with their families. But it was in that time that God actually made me a heart, give me a heart of a pastor, the heart of a shepherd. So in that context, guess what? I didn't like it, but God did something wild. So you might not like something, but don't close your heart to what God might be willing to do in your life. Amen? Yeah. Cool. Uh, the last one we're going to look at here is going to be uh, three different, uh, well, three. Explore different opportunities. What does that mean? In our church specifically, we have tons. When I say tons, like big, big, big time. Like you have a lot of opportunity to serve and to explore your gifts. You could serve with EC. You could serve with elementary, uh, special abilities, uh, middle school ministry, fellowship of Christian athletes, which is off campus, not even our whole thing for our ministry. Mission trips, right, sent up in September. Uh, we have opportunity to serve with Salt Co., right? Imagine just being present for another person. Like your, your job really could be to help with the parking team on Sunday morning. Do you notice that there are people who help park on Sunday morning, those who come to the uh, 11 a.m. service? It's interesting, right? They're just out there every morning. There are people who help serve donuts. Like some of you guys, we would love you to be a people who greet people out here as they come on in. It's a blessing to see a friendly face. There's multiple opportunities to explore these giftings, and I'm, I am honored to say that these opportunities also exist here as well. Four, exercise your gift, meaning spend time actively using your gift to improve your gift. Not just to use it, but to actually improve the gift. It would be so sad if Jacob Wood was playing guitar the same way he was playing when I met him back in 2011. That would be not a thing. In fact, 2011, he was a drummer. He's still a drummer, but he's a, now a better guitarist, right? So he used his gifts and honed his gift, and now what does he do? He replicates himself in other people. He makes disciples. He's using his gift in other spaces. We're called to use our gifts to make disciples with other people. Again, 1 Timothy 4, 14 through 15 says, Do not neglect your gift which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. There has to be a progression in your gift. Don't just sit on your gift. Don't be like, oh, I realized they said, my, my small group leader said, hey, do you have a gift of hospitality? Or you have this gift where you just make people feel at ease, right? And you're just like, oh, okay, whatever. 
and then not invite people to your house and not take people to in and out and not make people feel like feel like like they're at home or a part of a family use your gift well why we are called to be stewards of our gifts you yourself are responsible for developing your gifts as the worship team comes up some people have recommended um, in past or whatnot that you take spiritual gift tests to figure out who you are and what God has given you as a gift. And so they'll use these gifts that are based off of numbers, and some of these things are like Enneagrams. I will tell you right now, no one can tell you who you are except God. Okay, I'm, I'm not trying to knock on all the things you've been doing except tarot cards and be doing that stuff. Uh, the point is, like, like, no one else can tell you who you are except the Spirit of God. It says this again in 1 Corinthians 12, 4. That there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Again, only the Spirit of God can give, reveal, and confirm the gifts that he's given to his people. So what I want you to have confidence in is this. That God has given us these gifts for ourselves to have a source of joy, right, for our joy, to give to the people in our space, right, save people, serve people, but also to a sense where you use this gift as a witness of who Jesus is in your life. So if you find yourself in a place where maybe someone has misused a gift, I'm going to say this from the pulpit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that someone misused a gift and misconstrued what God had given them, where you don't feel safe to even talk about it or you feel weird about it. I'm sorry that that happened to you. There have been so many things that people have done in the name of God. Using their gifts, even the gift of prophecy. Using the gifts. Uh, where, here's a place where there needs to be a boundary and a healthy space of love. An unhealthy place would be, oh my gosh, I think I have this gift of healing. I'm going to walk into our special abilities wing. And then, and then do what? What if God decides in his will that he's not going to heal that person? It's not an act of love. It's the boundary of love. People have used and misused and abused their gifts because they've not used the dynamic of love. And next week, Drew's going to talk about what that looks like to have that boundary of love, that sieve of love, to discern when and how to use those gifts. But if you've been hurt by that, I want to say, hey, guys, I'm sorry. But God is not done with that yet. God is not done with you yet. He has much more for you than what you've seen and has, that has been misused and abused. He wants to get glory from all situations. And because he loves you, indeed, he will. I'll end with this verse, Proverbs 4, 7. Again, I've said this is a verse that I think for me has helped me understand and been rolling around my spirit for a while to understand who God is and how he wants us to operate. It says this and we can read it all together. That the beginning of wisdom is this. Get Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Let's be a people who delight in God's word, who remember that it's all about Jesus, that people can make stuff about themselves, but let's bring, bring it back to Jesus. Help us make decisions to live and love like him. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at CalvaryHSM805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org slash HSM. We always have fun things going on and we want you to be a 